Ladies and gentlemen, to the fellas, the fellas, the golf fellas out there, welcome to the breakdown, the DraftKings DFS preview picks breakdown for the waste management. Very exciting week. Very exciting week. Yesterday gets kicked off with Tory Pines. Was watching all that. Was watching the the hectic everything unfold on Saturday with Patrick Reed. If you're not familiar, then you probably haven't been on the internet or had somebody text you, right? It, it's something that wasn't, you know, if you're not into mainstream golf, it probably wasn't something that was going out there all that much in your airwaves. But that cheater, Patrick Reed, again, right? I get I get the viewpoints of everything. The traditionalists that don't like to see that. They don't like to see the game being messed up. It's fine. I understand your viewpoint. But for me, it's something that is entertaining. For me, it's something that is generating buzz for the game of golf. For me, it is something that yeah, there's conflict now. There's conflict. People want to now watch next time that Patrick Reed's in a group with a veteran and not some younger guys that aren't going to call him out on potentially the bullshit that he's been doing out there. And the fact that that fella, that wise old fellow went out there and then ended up winning and not just winning by like a stroke so people could say, ah, oh, him picking up the ball because I, whatever, right? I didn't get the EQ. He just wins. He runs away with it on those like final five or six holes when Hovland kind of ejects himself. I think there were six holes left. Hovland on the 12th through 12 was down or back one stroke. And then Patrick Reed just said, oh, I'm not losing to you, right? Hovland in the past has had a case of uh, maybe the jitterbugs, right? In some other previous events with Morikawa and Justin Thomas last year down the stretch. And it kind of came out again there. So that's something to watch just in terms of like betting on Hovland to actually see when's he going to be able to push through and close the door. We know that Hovland has won last year, but some of these big boy events where there's some other guys in them, not overseas and not like last year, a smaller field event. But we are now here at the Waste Management. And yes, this is going to be a lovely course. And it's something that it's a course that I like because I like approach every single week. I like these iron plays every single week. But sometimes if there's distance, like we saw at one of the courses last week, if there's distance, like at the Farmers, well, then yeah, you have to start to uh, wait off the tee, ball striking in general with the approach play, but off the tee, your distance, your accuracy, how many fairways are being gained, all that type of stuff. Whereas at this event, yeah, the driving's not going to be that big of a deal. The driving's not going to be that big of a deal, and you're also not going to be getting harmed if you're not in the fairways. So your consistency, your accuracy, your distance, really not mattering as much here on a shorter course. It's strongly favoring approach play, strong as it could possibly be. One of the best places to be targeting, like if you're new to golf, or maybe you don't look as deeply into it, just look at the strokes game on the screen right now. You can see right here in this column that says app that is strokes gained on the approach play that is your iron so those are your iron plays if you're not familiar with golf in general it's just not the one that's the putter the wedge or the driver it's your iron play and really iron play is going to be making up a lot of what i do this week now normally if i like wait a model it'll be like ah, i give this like thing like 20 percent, right that, that's pretty big 20 percent. i might be giving iron play like 30 percent this week because that's how important i think it's going to be this week and just historically for a lot of data that we actually have we're starting to get bigger samples on these guys this year in general these golfers so it's going to be fun to break down into this it's going to be fun to go through this event like subscribe do all of those beautiful things for me, you beautiful people out there. If you're listening on the podcast version, if you're listening on the YouTube version, hope you're all having a great day. Let's break now into some of this DFS picks and previews for the waste management. I have my projections, I have my rankings. Ownership will be out later today. You can follow all these tools and analysis that will give you a better chance, especially if you don't have them compared to not having them. Projections, rankings, ownership will give you a much better chance at increasing your return on investment, at increasing your profit. All that can be found down below in the description. You can click the link, or if you're listening on the podcast, it's patreon.com backslash underscore vetri underscore let's break into it now with the projections up some other stuff up here as well some of the key stats database on the screen on the youtube version and in this ten thousand dollar plus range it's loaded you kind of have a really weird 9k range maybe a couple guys a little bit overpriced maybe some guys joining that 9k range party right some guys we haven't seen in a little while if it's burger in a couple events but that's 10k range it's loaded it's a great week to go to 10k guys and i like it a lot i mean you have rom xander justin thomas rory and webb simpson in here webb simpson who has coming off of a win here justin thomas who has been absolutely clobbering this 
this place the last couple of times we've seen him because he's arguably the best approach player in this field. And then he's just arguably overall the best player in this field at this point. I think it's between him and John Rahm, if you want to be saying that in terms of their current form, the two mega elites. Obviously, Rory's here. Xander's been playing a lot better consistently getting these top 20 finishes. But Justin Thomas, for me, is my guy. I like Justin Thomas the most in this range at 10,800. Early on, the ownership's coming in on him, but it's also coming in on Webb. It's also coming in on John Rahm. So really, you're not going to get different by playing anybody in the 10K range. Like Xander will probably be lower owned because he's priced all the way up here for consistency, but the overall win upside, I have some uh, concerns about. He's ranked 35th in this field in approach play, so there's some concerns there. Xander is my lowest point per dollar player in this range, and he's my only guy that's not a B or a B plus in my rankings. He is currently a B minus. Now, Xander's been consistent here, 16th, a 10th, and a 17th. So he's not going to be a terrible play if you do indeed decide to play Xander, but he's going to be the one guy if I had to choose that'll stay away from in this range. Usually picks up some ownership. I wouldn't be shocked to see that ownership coming up soon, but this is what you get out of Xander. A second, a 15th, a 17th, a 17th, a second, a fifth, a second. That's like his last six events. That's fantastic. It's just consistent. He's always out there grinding on a Sunday and really over the last month, a month and a half, more times than not, he's actually in contention on a Sunday. But let's focus in on Justin Thomas, who's the number two overall approach player in this field. Number one, when it comes to T to green play, he's going to rank number one in birdie or better and number five in bogey avoidance. You know what you're getting. You're just getting a consistent player out of him. Now, where are the faults in Justin Thomas's game? It's very similar to Rory as of late, except Rory's has been a little bit worse in terms of the putting. In this field, JT ranks 57th overall right now, but that's really his only weakness. If you're talking about mega elites, okay, the off the tee play, that's always going to be a concern, but when he has just arguably the best irons in this field, it's going to be great. Now he leads this field just in terms of overall fantasy points. He's eight to one, basically a co-favorite with John Rahm to win this event right now. I like it. I like Justin Thomas. The last time that we saw him, what at this point, it's going to be about a month ago at the Tournament of Champions. That's the only time we've seen him this year. Now this calendar year, we saw him at the OHL back in December, but that's the only time that we've seen him this year in the official PGA Tour season. And he finishes third, finishes third at the Tour of Champions. Oh, we see him at the Masters. Oh, he finishes fourth. Oh, the Zozo the week before finishes second, right? We know how good this player is. I'm choosing one guy up here. It's Justin Thomas. The way that he fits this course just from ball striking and approach is something that I like a lot. Now you can have other guys fit the course just as well. Like I'm going to be looking at Webb Simpson and Rory. If they come in at similar ownership, I'll take Webb. If Webb comes in at like double the ownership, it's just an easy pivot for me to Rory, the number one off the tee player in this field. But the approach play for Rory has been the major concerning piece here, right? Now Rory is 10,600 sandwiched in between the guys that I like the most in this range between JT and Webb. I have no issues with going to JT and Rom. My goal this week is to be playing two of these 10K plus players. JT is probably going to be the one that's in there no matter what his ownership is. After that, I'll be trying to look into ownership. Right now, it seems like Rom's picking up ownership and it seems like Webb is picking up some alongside of JT. Helping you out there a little bit, a little sneak peek behind the curtain down below on Patreon. Bam! Bam, wham, how you doing? Schmacking around with that information. But yes, the approach play out of all these guys up here between Webb and Justin Thomas and probably even throwing Rom into that mix, Rory might be the one that I'm concerned a little bit with, but we've seen it coming back lately. We've seen him just gain every single spot, strokes with the Farmers. He finishes 16th overall. He he probably would have finished 10th like if he didn't care, but he, trying to win the event, actually trying to go for some pins and trying to win. So you're either going to be finishing 16th or 20th, or you're going to be finishing first or second, and he ends up going for it and not ending up succeeding in that regard. So it comes down to ownership. JT is that number one guy for me in this range, then Webb, then Rory in that order. John Rahm is fine as well. It just depends on what the ownership is. If you want to just look at how Webb, the guy who won here last year, he has a second place in 2017 at this exact same course, always ends up picking up ownership to a decent clip as well. Webb is my second highest ranked player in this 10K plus range. I currently have Webb projected for 83 point two DraftKings points. It just basically says that is very, very good. Over his last 20 events, he's gaining everywhere. And the last time that we saw him this year was a fourth place finish at the Sony where he just dominates these smaller types of course where he can rely on his approach play. He's not an elite approach player, but he's just very good overall, especially when you combine that with being the number three putter in this field. So JT, Webb, and then Rahm and Rory, basically depending on where the ownership comes in right now for me, that is the 10K range. Now let's slide down to the 9K range. And on the YouTube video, you'll be able to see probably a little bit of the 8K range, but let's slide down now to the 9K range and, and identify some players in this range that are going 
wanted to be standing out. We can start it up up top where you're going to have a $9,800 Hideki, and Hideki's price point comes back up because it should come back up based on how he's been playing. It, it dropped, and then he does well to Sony after playing terrible at the Tournament of Champions, finishing dead fucking last with just losing 9.7 strokes putting. The putter, he's still not gaining strokes with so far this year, and what you saw was the approach play slide a little bit last week, and now the price point comes up. So what type of play is Hideki this week? He's a leverage play if you're going to be, let's just say, playing, maybe you're going to be playing a Justin Thomas, then you want to be leveraging over to Hideki because Hideki's not going to pick up ownership. It's going to be very similar to the Sony where, oh, he played really bad last week because of the putter. I don't want to own him. Now this week, he's playing bad for a different reason. The putter was actually half decent. He only lost like a half a stroke putting last week, but he lost strokes with his irons. And that's not something that normally happens. And that's not something that's as sticky. So I'm not going to say, oh my God, I have to worry. But this is two out of his last three events that we've seen him losing strokes with the irons. He lost 1.8 at the Tournament of Champions. He lost 1.4 at the Farmers. And you need your irons here. But he gained 6.8 in between there at the Sony. But I don't think by any means they're broken here. It's just a little bit of a wacky stretch. The tee to green play, the irons are going to be something that's there in my opinion for Hideki. I think Hideki's a nice leverage play. I would rather have Hideki over Daniel Berger and Sanjay if you're looking for a leverage play because Daniel Berger's in a pickup ownership. I assume Sanjay picks up a little bit more ownership as well, has a little bit better of a, a recent form, has fine course history here, right? Nice price point in 9,400. So Hideki's the nice leverage play in this range, but I'll say that my favorite play in this range is probably going to be coming in for another guy who's going to be lower owned, not as low owned as Hideki, but let's go over to Harris English right now. So right now, if I look at my projections in this 9K range, Harris English is my best, and it's not saying much. This 9K range, in my opinion, it's gross. That's why I like to go to the 10K range, get two guys, maybe slide into the 8K range, and finish out our lineups, mainly with the 7K. We have some nice six captions that we'll get to. But Harris English is my number one point per dollar play in this range. Now he's going to be picking up some ownership, but nothing major. But we saw out of Harris English was he finally got that win, right? To start the season off, he finally gets that win in a smaller field, but in a loaded field at the Tour, the Mint of Champions. Then he looks decent at the Sony, but wasn't that great. And he was priced up for that week. And then he just absolutely looks terrible last week, just all over the place, right? Loses over four strokes tee to green. He's losing 3.2 strokes when it comes to around the green, losing strokes putting. It was just a bad week. It's just something that you can throw out. If you want to look at outliers last week, right? On the 31st, the last day of January at the Farmers, when that event started, that is the first time that he's lost strokes in every single category, dating all the way back to the WGC Mexico in 2019. So obviously an outlier performance. Now he's at $9,300. He's had some success here, finishing third, had a top 20 last year, almost a top 15, finishing third in 2016. So that's all fine, but it's just a player that stands out at just average ownership in a really bad price range. Now, Will Zalatoris is somebody that's coming on. And if you want to be looking at, okay, how do we start to look at how we want to play this event with the iron play, with the ball striking, Will Zalatoris, who usually picks up ownership, I would expect Will Zalatoris, now that he's got that sticker shock of the 9K range, to actually be relatively low owned. And the fact that a lot of the ownership's probably coming in at like the Daniel Berger and above range for the most part, Berger picks up some, and then that 10K range is probably all going to be at the end of the day, 15 plus, maybe Xander even gets to 20 plus percent for all those guys. But Will Zalatoris is coming on. We've been seeing this approach play very nice out of him, dating back to last year. He's gaining strokes on approach in measured events for pretty much every single thing that we have in a database for the past season. And now granted, a lot of his events don't have any types of shot tracker or anything like that. But last week at the Farmers, finished the seventh, gained strokes everywhere, 2.3 on the approach and 9.6 total strokes gained. That was one of the best performances that we've seen out of him since coming onto the PGA Tour. Zalatoris is somebody that I'm willing to take a gamble on at lower ownership because of the sticker shock. If Zalatoris this week was $8,300, $8,400, he's probably going to be coming in at maybe double the ownership. If he comes in at like 7% owned, maybe 15% owned just because of a seven dollars $600 price difference. Honestly, if he was like $8,600 or $8,800, right, just a little bit cheaper, not that 9K tag, that sticker shock, if you will, I think you probably see lower ownership. So a lot of these guys grade out nicely. Ryan Palmer fits the bill of an approach player in this range, but I'll be going with Harris English as just the best pure play analytic wise Hideki when you factor in the ownership as a leverage play and then Zalatoris for that guy who's going to be kind of having both he grades out nicely just for his price tag at 9k he has the sticker shock so from a game theory standpoint people probably will be going up to a Scotty Scheffler or a Harris English or down now into this 8k range where we can slide on into so the Chris Collinsworth slide in so you can't see all the guys on the screen you can almost see all them that last name is Brian Harmon if you're watching on YouTube I can scroll down so you can see that in a second and I'll also call out right now that this video is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight if you're not familiar that is a prop betting site but it's more than just your average oh, okay this guy 
guys going to go over under? You can do over under fantasy points. You can play different styles of game modes as well. And this week, they have a lot of great contests and you can do more or less fantasy points. You can do more or less when it comes to just birdies and better and things like that. So what I want to be looking at right now, so the prop that I like the most is just looking at these two studs in this field, John Rahm and Justin Thomas. Now they have a different scoring system, but more or less fantasy points than 105.5. It's very appealing, right? If these guys both finish basically outside like the top five, there's really a good chance they're not going to get there. But Justin Thomas is a very good birdie or better player. So on Monkey Knife Fight, I'm going to be taking the more on 105.5 overall fantasy points for Justin Thomas and the less on John Rahm. It's nothing against John Rahm. It's just leveraging against them both finishing in the top five with good performances. So the more on Justin Thomas, the less on John Rahm, and you'll cash that bet. You'll get yourself a 2.5x buy-in when you cash that bet. Bam, smacking you with the knowledge. My name's Vetri, last name, V-E-T-R-I, my last name, Vetri, V-E-T-R-I, will give you a free money bonus up to $50 on Monkey Knife Fight. There's a link in the description. So you want to just put 10 bucks in, 10 bucks into that bet. They'll give you an extra 10 to play with. Now you have 20. You can put it all in that bet. You can do something else there. Or you want to put up to $50 and they'll give you a $50 match. So again, promo code Vetri, V-E-T-R-I, let's know what you came from me. And I like my favorite bet is those two studs. More over 105.5 fantasy points for Thomas and less than 105 for John Rom. Thank you, Monkey Knife Fight, for being the sponsor of this here video. Let's get to the 8K range where the top of it is kind of sketchy, right? You have like Brooks Kepka coming in in some spots, open at 50 to 155 to 1 in some spots. I see him here now at 45 to 1 in a lot of spots already being bet down. He doesn't really set up nicely for this course. His game hasn't been there all that much. If you want to just bet on pure upside of a guy that can win, although, I mean, it's not a major, so can he win? Yes, he obviously can win, but will he try as much? I assume so, yes. But there's a narrative around how much effort will actually be there if he's having one bad day on the golf course. We've seen three missed cuts in a row. We really haven't seen much greatness out of his game. Lost over four strokes tee to green for the first time in a very long time out of Brooks Kepler. The last time that we saw him lose over four strokes was the Tournament of Champions back in 2019 of January, so over two years ago. Now, he's in play for me just because of the price point being cheap. I think he's better playing the betting markets. Matthew Wolf, I want to play here. I want to have some upside in Matthew Wolf. The problem is that he came off of an injury last week. They're, not, they're saying it's not severe, but it's something that I'm probably not going to run back to. You're going to see lower ownership on him because of that, but I think we can just get to some other nicer plays in this range. Ricky Fowler, he's going to be maybe a darling. There's going to be a couple course history darlings in this field. A Webb, a Bubba, back-to-back top fours, a Ricky who's won this event and finished second back in 2016. And really, when you look at Ricky's game, the off the tee play's there. The approach play's been there the last couple events to start the season. It's the putter. He lost 3.7 strokes on the putter and 0.8. Now, long form historically, this guy gains about a stroke overall per event putting. So Ricky's not a play for me right now, but he's going to be somebody that can start to rise up there. I just like the guys around him more. I'd rather be betting on Bubba and that better ball striking and iron play. He's a great off the tee player. He's a much better iron player than it comes to Ricky Fowler long-term and also in the short firm. He's top 10 in this field in T to green play. So give me Bubba out of these like course history darlings over Ricky right now. Both of them are in play, but I'll take Bubba for $100 less. And right now, if I look at my 8K range, on my projections early on in the week. I have Bubba grading out as a better play. I have Bubba right now for basically the same amount of fantasy points, but a better point per dollar play than Ricky Fowler. We go down a little bit more to my better play overall in this 8K range, and that is going to be Mr. Gary Woodland. Now, Gary Woodland, something to keep an eye on here. We saw him coming off of the injury, and we saw him hot, start really hot. But last week, you need the approach play here. That's something that Gary Woodland is going to be nice in. 19th in this field in approach play over the last 50 rounds. He was very owned and chalky last week. I'll be interested to see if he becomes that much owned this week. I don't think so because of what happened last week. He ended up finishing 48th, and he ended up losing a ton of strokes off the tee, but he ended up losing some strokes on approach. Now, we don't have all four rounds from last week, just a couple of the rounds or majority of the rounds, but we don't have all four rounds. He lost strokes on approach last week. Something to watch there. Something to watch if that falls over. Lost a lot of strokes off the tee, but now if you're not going to be in that fairway this week, it's not going to be as much of an issue for you where the approach play will start to become him scrambling to an extent, but the approach play even more. So Gary Woodland, something to keep an eye on. If he's low owned, yes, he's a yes for me. He's won this event in the past. He's somebody that I like where his price point is at right now. He should probably be, in my opinion, like 8,600. Like if you're going to have Matthew Wolf, Ricky ahead of him, these guys like this, mainly Ricky and Bubba because of the course 
Steelers history. I think you should have Gary Woodland a little bit above that. So I like Gary Woodland potentially and probably the most in this range. And then the guy right after that is a guy priced right next to him at $8,200. It's going to be Mr. Russell Henley. And it's mainly, I, I think you might see some ownership here out of Russell Henley. I think you probably see more than ownership on Russell Henley than Woodland, maybe like 10% on Henley and like 8% on Woodland early in the week. But we saw Henley play very well at the Sony Open. We saw his approach play clicking. Then we saw him miss the cut at the AMAX and just a weird event. Some bad weather was also there. They're rotating courses. And now you get him as the number one as of right now, ball striker and approach player in this field. I love that. Well, where's his troubles? Well, it's with putting. It's with off the tee to an extent. It's really just a putter. Just have the putter get hot this week and play the approach play out of Russell Henley. And although Russell Henley struggled and missed the cut at the American Express, the only thing that stayed there for him was a little bit of the putting, but mainly the approach play. He still gained the stroke on approach. He was losing off the tee around the green, tee to green in general, but the approach play has just always been there for Russell Henley. He's gained strokes in every single event dating back to June at the RBC Heritage was the last time that he lost strokes with his approach play. He's as sure as they come from approach. He's going to line up nicely here. You just have to avoid the catastrophic losing five strokes like we've seen in the past at the Zozo last year, and he still was able to finish fourth overall at, with, the, with the putter. So yes, Russell Henley and Woodland are my favorite options in this range, and I really don't think they're going to pick up that much ownership. There's some appealing upper 7K options that we can slide into right now that I think are going to be sliding and taking some of that ownership. So some of my yeses in the 7K range are going to be coming from the top. Like I, I think these guys aren't yeses for me, but Sam Burns, Carlos Ortiz, Corey Connors, all deserving of these upper range price points. If you're looking at just the approach play and the ball striking, Corey Connors is the best of all those names. The problem is he has by far the worst putting. He has by far the worst just overall around the green play. That's where he can just eject himself from an event where some of these other guys are playing a lot better. Max Homa, somebody that I've been riding with since the season has started. Max Homa has been looking very good like himself last year, a 12th, a 21st and an 18th in his last three events. And then the two of those to start the year, a 21st and an 18th. And he's been looking very good on approach, just gained 4.5 strokes on approach in that last event. And he's been the one who struggled on approach, right? We saw that approach play clicking before the shutdown ended up happening. And I was playing him almost every single week and he was finishing ninth, sixth, 14th, fifth around this time last year, the approach play was clicking and then he just couldn't get it to go. And now apparently he's gone through an entire transformation. I listened to him on the mic, the mic formerly known as Mike Stud podcast, but the mic with a period now podcast. The You Never Know podcast is the title of it. It's a very good podcast. And he was just talking for about a half hour, 45 minutes to an hour about spirituality, about where his mind's at now, about how like last summer and just in the past, how he's always just in his own head. And now it's completely changed. He's actually just changed his mental thinking. And he thinks that it's really translating to his game. And that was before that the American Express started. So I listened to that. And obviously it's a guy just talking about himself. So if I listen to all the golfers, they might have a similar thing and then we're getting nowhere. But I played some of him. And I was like, okay, this guy, after the event, he, he was there in the AMAX towards the weekend. He just said it was a great event. I'll take the top 20. I loved it. We played fantastic. And then he started to say some nice and more encouraging things heading into the farmers about how his game's clicking. It's been clicking physically, but now it's clicking to a high extent mentally. So at $7,900, he then goes and finishes an 18th, an even better finish, right? He gains 4.5 strokes, the most, again, that we've seen out of him in basically a year's time. So yes, Max Homa is a yes for me. He's not going to grade out on projection, so he's going to be low owned. He's in this range in the 7K range, so guys are naturally low owned. But projection wise, even in my projections, he's not going to grade out fantastic because we have to take into account more than just one or two events. But this is some of the things that you have to do in golf. How much do you want to weight that recent form on specific golfers? To start this year off, I want to be waiting it a little bit higher on Homa at 7,900. He's going to be a yes for me. So you can see the rest of the upper 7K range. I have interest in guys like Corey Connors and Jason Day and Carlos Ortiz and Sam Burns. I probably like Corey Connors the most after Homa out of all those guys, but they're all pretty firmly in play for me. We can scroll down. Herrick, Henrik Norlander might be picking up maybe some more ownership this week. I don't think it'll be anything crazy. Instead of being like 2% owned, he might be 4% owned as he's been playing better a lot as of lately. And if you're going to be factoring any of your models or if people are going to be playing a lot of guys just based on approach, he's the number five overall approach player in this field. He's gained strokes on approach basically now in six straight events, and he's gained to start the year 4.1 strokes, and he finished 12th overall at the AMAX, and then last week finishing second overall. Really, that second place finish is what's going to get a lot of people to look his way. A second place finish, gaining strokes everywhere except with the putter, gaining again over three strokes on approach. So Norlander is in play for me. It'll be interesting to see what the ownership is. Again, once you get to this range, guys usually don't pop off for all that much ownership. I said he might be 4% on now. Normally, I, I mean, I don't even know if he hits 10%. I'd say 6% will be my final guess on Hendrick Norlander right now, at least as the week goes on. And if people steam him up a little 
little bit. Maybe he gets a 10%. If he starts to get the 10 plus percent, I'm just going to pivot to all these other guys that we just talked about at the upper 7K range. But I like Max Homa. I like some of these other guys. Norlander's fine. Let's scroll down to the bottom of the 7K range. We can start to talk about some guys down here that are going to be appealing to me. So at $7,300 in this price range, there's a couple of guys that I basically like. I like Benny Ann. He's had success here. He's going to be like 1% owned. Benny Ann is somebody that I don't usually like to get to. He looked at the AMAX gaining strokes, and then he lost eight and a half strokes last week with the putter. So Benny Ann is just a guy that you hold your nose, and you hope that he's not losing eight and a half motherfucking strokes with the putter like he did last week. But that's hard to do because he's lost eight and a half strokes, and he gains a stroke. Then he loses six, five, six, four. These are his last events, that much with the putter. So Benny Ann is by no means a yes for me, but I like him in terms of just getting him in like a 1%, 2% where he's going to be coming in this week with upside. Rory Sabatini's in play, but the two guys that are yeses for me, one guy that we've been playing a little bit lately, and then one guy who's been struggling, but just the upside of what he's done over overall the last year, his form, struggling in like one to one and a half events is not going to keep me off of him. So we can start off with Sepp Straka, who's the guy that we've been playing as of late, who missed a cut here last year. But when you look at this field where he's going to be ranking out, a pretty good ball striker, a very good putter, borderline a top 20 putter in this field. I expect him to get some ownership going his way. We got to see him start the season off and really end last year with a lot of top 25s or a decent amount. Then he goes to finish 25th at the Sony, looking good there, getting four strokes on approach. But then he struggled and he missed a cut at the Amex. And now his approach play is something we have to watch. Now he's a yes for me, but he might, uh, let's move him to a maybe right now. Let's move him to an X just so we don't try and overstate how much I like Sepp Straka because I like him down in this range. But here's the thing. We talked about it last week. He lost four and a half strokes at the Amex and missed a cut. Okay, that was the first time that he lost strokes on approach in quite a long time. But this is a guy that when he starts to lose strokes on approach, can really just go off the cuff. And he can start to become very inconsistent. Now he can get it back like that. We've seen it happen. We saw him lost six and a half strokes last year at the Memorial and then gain five and finish top 20 at the 3M the next week, right? We've seen this happen. But now losing strokes in back-to-back events, um, it's going to be an interesting spot to be seeing if he can get those approach play back because we're going to need it this week. The only spot and the only category he lost last week's strokes in was the approach play. Still finished 32nd overall. So Shaka right now, he's a maybe, he's a yes. Let's just put him back to a yes. I like him in this range. The approach play though, just paying a little bit more close attention to it has me a little bit concerned. And then the final off to close this range with some of the guys that I like a lot. You can see if you're watching on the YouTube channel, hey Sal, why aren't you naming Luke List or Charlie Hoffman or EVR or Pat and Kazire? These guys are in play. They're in play for me. I have them listed as marked off as guys that are in a player pool. They're just not the priorities. But the next man up I want to talk about is Sebastian Munoz. So if you're looking at long-term form, yes, he's a great player. He had all those top 25 and top 10 and top 15 finishes dating back to the Masters and he had a 17 finish at the Tournament of Champions. He's been off the cuff though, right? He's not been there as much. He's missed a cut at the RSM, missed a cut at the OHL. 17th in a 41 person field is just fine at the Tournament of Champions, non-cut event. Finishes, makes the cut, finishes 65th at the Sony. But the thing that's letting him down in his putter, and now long-term he's not a fantastic putter. When you're looking at where he ranks in this range, he ranks 85th, but it's letting him down in a major way. He lost 4.1 strokes, then two, then 1.2, then 2.7, and really the short game alone lost about five strokes last week. So the short game is what's happening here. His approach play has still been fine. Now he's gained 2.1 strokes last week on approach. He's lost like a stroke here and there, but the approach play has still been fine for him. And in this field, he's like a top 50 approach player. He's a very good around the green player. So I don't expect the around the green struggles to continue like they have to start this year. And I don't expect him to continue to lose two to four strokes with the putter. So Munoz is in play because you're getting a nice price discount. To start the year off at the like Tournament of Champions in the Sony, this guy was at like $7,900. You're getting a nice price discount. I think we can buy low on Sebastian Munoz. Now let's look at the 6K range as we can close this shop up. Again, if you want to hit the like and subscribe, I greatly, greatly appreciate that. If you also want to be checking out some things in terms of, I have Patreon down below for tools and projections and rankings and ownership. You can check it out down below. Patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. Now in the 6K range, I just kind of want to factor this by my overall value. And we can start to look at this from an analytical standpoint and then some recent form. So trying to weight some of the things that we're looking at. Matt Thomas is just like always grading out as a pretty solid play, but I'll go down to some options down here. So we can look at Kevin Streelman. We can look at Harold Varner and we can look at Doc Remen as some guys that I do like in this range. We had last week, Kevin Streelman make a cut. He's basically, if he makes the cut, he's going to be contending for like a top 40, top 35 finish. He looked good last week. He's gained on approach now in a couple of straight events. Kevin Streelman is somebody that does stand out for me. If I look at where he ranks out overall out of all the prices, the cheaper guys will bump up a little bit higher because they're so cheap. But Kevin Streelman ranks out as my fourth overall value play this week. Believe it or not, Justin Thomas is my number one value play this week. That's just how damn good he looks.
looks, that's rarely the case for a guy who's priced honestly like above 9k let alone $10,000 so if you want to play two studs this week which I do because guys like Rory and Webb and Rom these guys are all in like my top 15 in value rankings which is very rare it's a week that is clearly stars and scrubs this week so yes Justin Thomas you want to play a couple of scrubs with him you need to go to that bottom of the 7k range that we just talked about or the 6k range and I think that Kevin Streelman is a fine option in this range. He's 33rd in this field in approach play for his cheap price point, 32nd overall in ball striking. If you want to go down even more, you're going to start to get some really good approach play players like Ryan Moore, like a Lucas Glover. The guy that I probably like the most, who we finally got to see last week, was Harold Varner. And Harold Varner misses the cut. That's great. Keep his ownership as low as possible. Keep his price as low as possible. How did Harold Varner miss the cut? It wasn't because of his approach play, right? That ranks over the last 50 rounds, top 10 in this field. That ranks sixth overall in TD Green play. It was because he lost 5.2 strokes in the short game, including three and a half foot his putter. He's a terrible putter. He ranks 95th in this field. That's going to happen. But all these guys are bad somewhere in this range, right? Lucas Glover, also great on approach, terrible putter. Same thing for Ryan Moore, great on approach, terrible putter. So Harold Varner is another guy who kind of grades out in that range for me. Harold Varner right now is also a top 10 value play. So is Ryan Moore in this range. These are the guys that I want to get to. We scroll down a little bit more and you can see another yes. So I like Streelman. I like Varner. I think Ryan Moore is firmly in play. I think Glover's firmly in play. But then another guy that I like who's hurt a lot of people and a lot of people like him in this community in general because he is a solid player. We remember playing him as like a nine and 10,000 or an eight and $9,000 golfer in some events last year. That is going to be Mr. Doc Redman, who down here in this price range, you're so far down that even if you hear him on some podcast this week, he might hit four or five percent at the very most. I mean, you had a guy at two percent last week at the Farmers missed the cut, so I don't think he's gonna be that highly owned. How did he miss the cut last week? He just wasn't getting scoring, right? He just wasn't scoring. He lost two strokes with the putter, that's fine, but he just wasn't scoring. But he's a number seventh ranked overall approach player in this field. When I look at where he ranks out right now for me on a point per dollar standpoint, he's just so cheap right now that he's my number two value play behind Justin Thomas. Now, he's not grading out for a lot of points, fifty-five point two points, but point per dollar value factoring in that now he's sixty-six hundred dollars. This is just a guy that was eight k a couple of events ago. I'm okay to get there. But if you want to look at his recent form, it's going to be terrible, right? But this is a guy who can bounce back like that. Like he did at the Bermuda. He missed the cut and he bounced back. Like he did it after the Northern Trust. He missed the cut at the Northern Trust and he bounces back with a third place finish. But lately it's been continuously bad for him. And a lot of it has to do with the short game and the putter. The approach play came back last week. That's all I needed to see. He has finished 61st, missed cut, 70th in, in a missed cut in his last four events. Very, very bad. To start this year out, he's had a 70th in a missed cut, but he's lost 3.5 strokes with the putter. And in that event at the AMAX, he lost strokes everywhere. It was terrible. He didn't lose any strokes on approach. Again, good to see but he did lose overall 7.1 strokes in the short game last week he loses two strokes with the putter and misses the cut but the approach play has been there the whole time if the putter just swings back the other way don't even lose strokes just lose zero strokes instead of finishing 70th at the AMAX, he's finishing like 40th. And at this price point, that's fantastic. Instead of missing the cut at the Farmers, he's making it and finishing like 50th. And that's fantastic. Just make the cut for us. So all we need is some good putting luck this week. And not only is he a bad putter, like he's he's honestly not a horrible putter. So that should turn around. He's terrible when it comes to maybe like the worst in this field around the green. And I think he knows that. He said that in some interviews, but not as good around the green. is something that he's been working on. It has not really clicked this week. He did gain strokes around the green last week, but overall, if he's going to just absolutely eject himself from an event, it's going to come from his around the green play. But that's where I'm at right now. That's, that's basically the $6,600 price tag on Doc Redman. There are some guys that are cheaper. Scott Stallings, Patrick Rogers. If we go at $6,400 and below, I'll just say some names. None of them are that appealing to me. You can look at Tyler Duncan, who's a quality approach player. Brian Stewart, who's a pretty quality approach player. I think Stewart at $6,400 is probably the cheapest I go on this slate. Swarford's down there and Jason Duffner's down there, but Duffner is just so, so bad when it comes to the putter. The approach play on Duffner is nice, but just so, so bad when it comes to the putter. So it's not something that I really want to be gambling on. If you want to go all the way down, I mean, it's one spot to bet on it though, all the way at the cheap price point. Duffner, I could see maybe you want to get to, but probably Brian Stewart is the 
the lowest at 6400 that I go. And that's as cheap as you got to go. There's enough low 7K and upper 6K options in that mid 6K range as well with Doc Remen that you play two of those guys, you get a guy in the 7K range and you get two of the guys up top and you're starting to look really good. That's the way I'm building this week. That is your waste management DFS picks and preview. Thank you for tuning in. If you're still here right now, maybe it's your first time finding me and you watch it all the way through or listen all the way through. Let me know on Twitter at SalvageDFS. Reach out to me with any questions. Leave a comment down here. I'll be sure to answer all these golf questions. I appreciate you all the time. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. We're going to be doing a probably Wednesday live stream moving forward after the Super Bowl is over for some DFS golf and also some betting picks as well. I'll post on any of my betting picks on Twitter and then we're going to be starting to do a betting video once the NFL season is officially over after the Super Bowl, um, probably on Wednesdays or Tuesday morning. So be sure to follow me there at SalvageDFS. All the tools and other types of things down below to help you improve your game on Patreon. You can check all that out. I put a lot of work into those. So I'm excited for some people to see them. New patrons, anything like that. Any questions, let me know. And if you want to support Monkey Knife Fight, the sponsor of this show, you put money in over there, they're going to give you hundred dollars and say, oh, you, you know, Sal, yeah, that's our guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You want to put 20 bucks in, we'll give you 20. Oh, you want to put 50 in? Bang, got hundred dollars in your account. The bet that I like this week over for Justin Thomas, 105.5 fantasy points and less than 105.5 for John Rom. Again, you use that com- promo code Vetri, V-E-T-R-I. Let's acknowledge game for me. Appreciate you all. And I'll see you all in the next one. Best of luck this week at the Waste Management Open.